Charles Price. I'm proud to be here. I had a pretty good childhood. My mother took us to church, but she never spoke about God in the house. It was my godmother who was the one who told me about Jesus, reading me the Bible stories, and urged me to pray. In my teen years is when I made my mistakes. I was looking for something, but did not know what it was. So I started accepting the evil things of the world. Thought about Jesus only when I got in trouble. I screamed out his name and said, if you give me, if you get me out of this one time, I won't do it no more. But then as soon as I was out of trouble, then I get right back in. So that's what, that was the way things went for many years. My godmother kept trying to help me, telling me to pray and ask Jesus for help. But I was only using him for my own purposes. I wasn't interested in learning who he was. Finally, I was convicted of a crime and was sent to Leavenworth Federal Prison with a sentence of 21 years and 10 months. My process started there. My addiction was heroin. And at that point, they didn't help you with heroin at any time. I was going through withdrawal that I had to suffer and suffer it on my own. My, my turning point came one day when I was in solitary. I kept banging on the bars and asking the officer and the nurse. I kept I kept banging on the bars and asking for the nurse and the guard who kept putting me off. I looked into the mirror, and the monster that I saw there, I didn't like. I turned away and went to my back. I went to my bunk, started praying, confessing my fault and sins, and asking Christ to change me. And that's when I became to accept Christ in my life. I started going to Christian services. I told my godmother that I had accepted Christ. And she told me, Charles, this is no joke. But I told her that I had grabbed a hold of his garment and I'll never let go. Jesus lifted the pain I felt and the thought of not getting out of prison. He made a new way of life for me changed my ways, and even placed me out of prison earlier than I expected. So when I got out of prison in 2007, I kept steadfast. Christ had changed my life, and I knew he would help me in, the, in, the, in this new phase. I don't go back to people, places, and things that put me on the crooked road. I started looking for a place where I could grow as a Christian, one day I was out shopping and I met two ladies, Wanda and Pastor Gus White. I chatted with them in the store and Pastor Gus White is telling me about her church and I'm trying to get out of the store. <laughs> <laughs> you know how you always say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But when she invited me to come to her church the next Sunday, and before I knew it, the words just popped out of my mouth, and I promised to come. And I'm saying to myself, where did that come from? 
but those two angels that had a plan for my life and they didn't even know it. Now I feel that I have a new family. Since I don't have my biological family anymore, I talk to other people about Jesus and share Bible verses with them, and I want to grow more. So I give my life to him and only him. Draw those to yourselves, Lord. It's awesome. We praise you. Amen. Thank you, gentlemen. You guys did a great job. Thank you for the worship team. I want to um, I want to make an announcement. Uh, it's a pretty grievous announcement, actually. Um, we had someone who uh, uh, had, who used to come to our community, who um, started to grow in Christ. Uh, he he sort of he went on a different direction, and um, and he took his own life. Yeah, and uh, and so we're gonna have a. He was uh, he didn't have any family, so uh, we loved him, and so we're gonna have a memorial service for him uh, on December fifth, and so you're welcome to come. There'll be more details about that sort of thing. Anybody here does not get the um, the weekly letter that we sent out. I sent out a weekly letter. Does anybody here not get that? Put that in your yellow card, and we'll make sure that we got Because sometimes it's as simple as, like, you know, you put an A, and somebody puts a 4, and then it messes everything up. But here's what I want to say about that. One, for those of you who knew Brad, for those of you who knew Brad, his name was uh, uh, Brad Ewing, and for those of you who knew him, uh, you, there, this stuff hurts, does it not? Like when we see, not only does it hurt, it can also bring up stuff from the past. Death is never isolated. You understand that, right? Death doesn't come isolated. Like when you're 60 years old and someone dies, you remember the, you know, the first death that you experienced. It's all just kind of, it's a trauma. And so, and so because of that, it has pain that's really hard to describe. And so for those of you who are hurting um, and are wounded, um, I want you to know that this is a place where you can heal. And so if you find you need counseling, um, we're making ourselves available uh, for those who need counseling to talk about this because it really is a massive thing. So all you have to do is just call the office. And if you don't know the church office, it's on your bulletin. That's the number. You call up and you say you need some counseling. We'll get some counselors around you to love you and help you during this difficult time. Then there's another emotion that comes up, and and that's anger. Let me just say this. Suicide is the ultimate selfish act. It's the ultimate self-centered act. It's the one that takes no consideration for those around that person. And so if you are in a place of depression. And believe me, I'm not, talking, I'm not talking from a place like I don't know. I've suffered from depression all of my life. I go through bouts that I can't even explain. And so if you find yourself in that spot, I want you to know that, man, your perspective is not necessarily right on. That's number one. Secondly, 
I want you to know that there's help for you. And if you find yourself in that situation, that you, you have a family in Christ who wants to help you walk through those emotions and help you walk through those thoughts. And we can walk through them together. I can't tell you how many people, uh, how I myself have been blessed from the kindness of other Bible-believing Christians who simply um, walked me through dark times. And so if, you're, if you find yourself in that position, I want you to know that is not a solution. Uh, taking your life is not a solution. What is a solution is taking the life that was taken for you. Because there was a life that was taken for you. His, his name is Christ Jesus. And he bore death so that you could bear life. And so for the Christian, we take on Jesus' life. Uh, we don't take our own. And so I just I want to I want to uh, lay that out to you. I'm going to make a transitional statement before I go into the actual sermon, though. Did you hear Charles? Did you hear what he said? I was in a supermarket. Think about the silliness of this moment. He's in a supermarket. He wants to get home. He wants to eat whatever he bought. And two people found the audacious act of inviting him to life. I want to juxtapose what we just heard about Brad and what we just heard the power of an invitation. Someone who spends a de- over a decade in jail, who's feeling nothing but death and darkness, gets invited into life and now is a part of a family where he feels joy in Christ and freedom in Christ. Do you see the difference of that? Do you know how many people you pass on the grocery line who are in the cubicle right next to you? Who are in the apartment right next to you? who need to hear this message of life. And you never know who's going to respond. And you go, oh, but I don't know the answers. Stop being so self-centered. It's not about you knowing the answers. Oh, but what if I don't know what to say? Stop being so self-centered. You can invite anybody to a place at 9 a.m. or 11. Oh, but uh, what if they ask me something I don't know? Listen, there's a lot of things that you don't know. You don't need to know the answers to everything, but you can make an invitation. So I want you to see, Charles's life was changed. You meet Charles's and Brad's every day. And they all need an invitation to hope. And I want to encourage you to, I want you to be that Christ follower. A Christ follower who finds your identity in Christ is not trying to prove yourself to strangers, but can just simply say, hey, here's an invitation. I'd love to see you there. Striking up a conversation, loving them, and inviting them. Everybody you see at a meeting, everybody you see at, a, uh, at your business, everybody you see it can be invited. And so I encourage you for that. You never lose. You never lose. Now, also, I want you to be praying uh, for Pedro's uh, family, Pedro, Pastor Pedro, he just lost his brother yesterday. Um, the uh, the preliminary uh, reports, I think, was a heart attack. 
Um, and so we need you to pray for Pedro's family, Shelley, Pedro, Zoe, and the extended family, um, that God would give them suffering grace. Life is short, is it not? And you never know. Now, this might be all the part of the message you need to hear. Some of you have been kicking the Christian tires and you haven't made a decision for eternity. Some of you are new. You've, you know, you've come here for the first time or the second time or the third time and you haven't made a decision. This might be all that you need to know. That there is, that there is a God who has loved you to such a degree that he extended himself to the point where he gave his life for you. You don't want to turn back from that. You never know. Uh, Pedro's brother was 39 years old. And you think at 39, you go, oh my gosh, I got another 40 years in me. You don't know. You don't know. And so, isn't it, wouldn't, it be, wouldn't it make sense for you to make a decision for Christ right now? You don't have to wait till the end of the sermon. You can make a decision right now for Christ and say, Jesus, I've blown it. I've turned my back on you. I've sinned. I've done things that I feel total shame about because they're sins. I've lived a lifestyle of sin. Would you forgive me? I'm not trying to change your mind about my sin. I'm changing my mind. And I'm agreeing with you. And would you just be the boss of my life, the director of my movie? Would you be the manager of my life? And in doing so, there's... And then we'll help you grow in that decision. But some of you just need to do that. And so I leave you with that. We're going to start our sermon, but I want you to know that God is here for you. And you don't need to go another day without Him. Yes? Yeah. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to be able to preach your word, this word that has hope and is truth. Thank you, O God, that you are the God of hope, the one who gives hope, the one who is hope. So, Lord, I pray that in Jesus' name, we would hear the words of hope, your words, that we would be blown away, that we would seek your face, and we would find our peace, our joy, our identity, not in the stuff of life, but in who you are. So, Father, I pray that you would help every marriage here, the marriages that are going through really difficult times. I pray that you would give them hope in Christ. Lord, I pray that you help every single here, the singles who think that their solution is marriage, not knowing that their solution is found in Christ, whether they're married or not, or whether they get married or not. Father, I pray for the families who are going through a rough patch, children who are rebelling, parents who are being wayward. I pray for those here who are just finding themselves in a tough financial patch and who are finding themselves desperate. Lord, I also pray for those here who are struggling in silence. Those who carry dark, deep depressions by themselves. How I know that so well. Lord, I pray that you would give us all a glimmer of Christ, that our hope would be found not in our plans for the future, not in what we wish could have happened, but our hopes would be found in Christ. 
Lord, I pray for the Rodriguez family. Lord, as they endure this loss, um, I pray that you would give them suffering grace, that you would draw them to yourself, that you would help them to see the beauty and the power of Jesus Christ during this very dark moment. Help us to be an encouragement to them. Help us to say words of affirmation and love and hope. Help us, O God, to be spirit-led as we pray for them and walk through this time with them. Thank you, O God, for this time together. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. First time I ran a 5K, a a 10K. Uh, It's about 6 point something miles, 6.2, 6.3 miles, something like that. And uh, I ran a 10-kilometer mile. Now, the only problem was is that the longest that I ever ran was five miles. And then I ran, it was the Roberto Clemente 10K. Everybody say Roberto Clemente. Yeah, right. Everybody loves, if you, right, if you're a Spanish dude, you love Roberto Clemente, right? Puerto Rican guys love Roberto Clemente. Okay, so um, it was the Roberto Clemente 10K, and it was in the Bronx. And anybody, right, some of y'all, who comes from the Bronx, right? Yeah, it's hilly in the Bronx, man. It is terrible. Y'all live on hills. And so, um, so the Roberto Clemente 10K, so I started to run it. And then I st- what started to happen at around mile three or four was that I started to die, right? Has anybody ever done that, right, where you're running and you think you're doing something healthy? And then you go, oh, no, you're going to die. You're going to die. Like your heart is beating out of your chest. You can't do this anymore. You're about to die. You feel pain in places you didn't even know you had. Right, like that. Right, so I was about to die. And so somewhere around like three or four or something like that. So I'm running and I'm running. And so I get to around mile five and little old ladies are passing me by. I'm not kidding. Little old ladies, like your grandmother. It's just like, you know, it's like, oh, come on, Sonny. You know, it's just kind of like, and I'm just like dying. I was like, but I don't want to stop the motion and I don't want to walk because I feel like I need to complete this Roberto Clemente 10K. So I did. So what happens is I ran this race with a guy who was far superior to me in running. His name was David Babb. David Babb runs marathons in under three hours. He's an amazing runner. So he did this with no problem. This was just like par for the course for him. And so he did it and he came back. Watch this. He ran. The 10K got some refreshments, probably had a Big Mac, and then ran back, and I was, I was just coming up on mile five, right? So I still had a mile in the car. And, but it, it was a very powerful moment for me. He comes alongside me, and he goes, Edwin, how you doing? And I'm like, I'm going to stink and die. I didn't say stinking, right? I was like, I'm going to die. And so he goes, no, 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 you, you can do this. You can do this, Edwin. I believe in you. I believe in you. You can do this. And so he goes, Edwin, we're going to try to pick up the pace. I'm like, no, we're not going to pick up the pace. We're going to get me a wheelchair is what we're going to do. And so, right, he's going, no, 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 we're going to pick up the pace. You see this old lady in front of you? <laughs> True story. You see this old lady in front of you? I was like, you mean the one who just passed me by? Yeah. He's like, yeah. He goes, I want you to catch up to her. Do you think you could stay at her pace? And that's what happened. I caught up to her. And then he goes, you know, and he said, can you catch up to this person? And we kept on catching up to people. I, I didn't have to finish the entire race. I just had to catch up to the person next to me. And at the end of the race, I caught up to a high school kid who did not want to let me pass him by. <laughs> and, um, 
And so I caught up to him, and it was just a great, it was like, it was like NASCAR. It was like the Olympics. It was awesome. We both are running towards this corner, and by God's grace, um, and uh, I actually, I, I, I beat him. I beat the high school kid. I did. I might have ruined his whole esteem for the rest of his life. I didn't care. I was like, in your face, high school kid. And uh, <laughs> that's not true. Um, I actually went to the corner and threw up. Um, uh, that's what really happened. Um, but here's the, here's the point. I could have never finished that race unless someone who was stronger than me came alongside me to tell me that I could do things and accomplish things that I could have never thought I'd done on my own. That's the life of a believer. The life of a believer is not a person who comes alongside of you, but a person who comes inside of you, the Holy Spirit, who, who gives you not only encouragement, which we so desperately need, but strength to do that which you cannot The Holy Spirit who sees you on mile five and has been with you since mile one. Who comes alongside you and says, I will strengthen you. I will give you. I will give you that which you need to do that which I ordain. This is a message that we all need. Because for some of you, you're on mile five of your marriage. Is it not true? You just want to die. You don't need to, you don't need to make it another day. You need a wheelchair, right? You need somebody to like, you know, take this pain away. And listen to me, listen to me. The Holy Spirit will be there for you. And there are some of you who right now are on mile five of your addiction. And you go, this is killing me. This might be the very reason why you showed up here today. And I'm here to tell you that if you invite Christ into your life, that he will strengthen you and he will give you ability to do that which you cannot do on your own. It's powerful. It's powerful. Those of you who are on mile five of your singleness, you know what I'm talking about, right? You think that all your problems will be solved if you just can find that right one, you know? And the Holy Spirit says, if you invite me into your life, I'll give you, I'll replace your loneliness with a peace that you can't understand. Those of you who are on mile five of your uh, school, right? You've gone to college, you're just tired of it. It's, you know, maybe you went back to college after certain years. You think you're silly for having done so. Look at all this money. And the Holy Spirit says, no, no, no. You invite me and I'll help you. Those of you who are just rebuilding your lives, just starting a new career, Holy Spirit says, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. Those of you who have lifestyles that you go, I just can't do this anymore. Holy Spirit says, I'll be there with you. I'll help you with your lifestyle. I'll help you with your thought process. I'll help you with your emotions and your desires. I'll help you. I'll help you. Because I'm in you. And I'll not only encourage you, but I'll empower you to do that which I want you to do. That's what we're going to give ourselves today to learn about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the power, the power that we need to do what God wants us to do. Now, we're on week three of a six-week series 
It's called change. And the first week, we looked at what change is not. We said, change is not willpower, change is not recovery, change is not religion, change is not, change is none of those things. It's not willpower, it's not determination, it's not any of those things. Change that is true change, it's Christ-centered change. And then in week two, we looked at our motivation. Remember last week, we looked at our motivation for change. The proper motivation to change is not so I can feel better, not so I can get what I want, not so, oh, I'll change so I can fix my marriage, I'll change so I can get my kids back in my life, I'll change so that I could feel better about myself, I'll change so I could look better in those clothes, I'll change so that I could do this thing. No, no, no. You see, if you're the source of change, your motivation won't be eternal because you're not eternal. It's just not true. It's just, you're not, you're not gonna last forever. Isn't that true? So you need a motivation to change that's bigger for you, bigger than you. And we said, there are motivation to change is Jesus. That His glory, finding our identity in Him, seeing Him is beautiful. Not because I want my wife to give me something, uh, not because I'm trying to get my wife to do what I wanted her to do. Not because if I do this with my boyfriend, then I'm going to get him to marry me. Not because if I uh, uh, do this for my girlfriend, she'll stay loyal to me. No, 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 no. That is not the motivation for change. Now, in a lot of our lives, that was exactly the starting point of our motivation for change. Isn't it true? Right? It's like, oh man, I'm going to change because my wife said she's going to leave me. I'm going to change because my husband said he can't take it anymore. I'm going to change because my boss is going to fire me. I'm going to change. And listen to me. If that's the impetus, if that's the spark, that's fine, but it's not a sustaining flame. The, the true source of our change, the motivation for our change, is Jesus, His glory, His beauty. When we see Him, when we live for Him, when we find our identity in Him, that's the true source or the true motivation for change. This week, we're going to look at the power for change. And I already let the cat out of the bag, didn't I? Anybody know what the power for change is? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, the, the, it's, it's Christ's Spirit living in you. The Holy Spirit. And so, God knows that you and I are going to need power for change. Power for our marriages. Power for our workplace. Power for our health. Power for our children, power for our singleness, power for our ability to walk in Christ, being whole, even though when we feel, even though we feel fractured, power to say no to sin, power to walk away from an addiction, power to do that which we do not believe we can do. Power to get through the fifth mile. It's the Holy Spirit. Listen to me. The Holy Spirit is the power to carry it out. I'm going to say that again because I don't think some of y'all got that. Listen to me. Some of y'all go into some environments and on a regular basis you pray and the power to carry it out. Listen to me. The power to carry it out is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the power to carry it out. And what do you go? You go, well, what's the it? The it is that which the Holy Spirit is calling you to do. Whether it's, whether it's any one of those things that I mentioned. Today, we're going to look at Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 11. 
I'm going to try to simplify this text for us. This, let me tell you something. Romans chapter 8 might be the most important chapter in the Bible. That's saying a lot. Romans chapter 8 might be the most significant chapter in all of Scripture. The theology found in Romans 8, if you, took, if you, if you got rid of the entire Bible and you, just had an, and you only had Romans 8, you could surrender and live for Christ. That's how powerful Romans chapter 8 is. In fact, those people that I disciple, I always encourage them eventually, as we're going through this process of discipleship, I eventually tell them, memorize Romans chapter 8. It's that powerful. And so, we're going to stand uh, for the reading of God's Word. The reason we stand is because God is awesome. And we're going to read from God's Word together. So let's look at Romans chapter 8, verse 5 through 11. Yes. 1, 2, 3. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit of God because of righteousness... And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. This is God's Word. Please have a seat. Listen to me. Listen to me. This is big. The importance of this sermon is simply this. Listen to me. If you're not sure of whether or not you should listen to the sermon, it's basically this. Listen. It's life and death. It's simply that. It's simply, listen to me. You're either going to go on through life doing you with your strength and your ability, or you go on through life with the power that, that comes from on high, the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm telling you, no matter where you are, all the time, I meet people. All the time. I just was talking to someone yesterday who said, I can't do it anymore. I can't maintain this. I can't keep this up. I can't leverage that. I can't keep everything. I can't keep all the plates spinning. And I had the joy of telling her, well, thank God you were never meant to. God is the one who keeps plates spinning if there are any plates that need to be spun. It's in Him. So we're going to look at this pretty awesome and complex text. I'm going to try to simplify it as much as we can. Um, those who li- Now, by the way, just so you know, um, the NIV just came out with a new um, 
a new, uh, what do you call it? Not rendition, version, version. Uh, the, the NIV, the New International Version, came out with a new version. They updated it because language changes, right? And so the last time they changed it was like 20 years ago, like 1984, right? Um, so they came, the one that I memorized this chapter with was the 84 version. So if you see me replace flesh for sinful nature, which is the way I memorized it, just put it in your mind, uh, flesh. But it's, it's bound to happen because it's the way I memorized it, right? So it says this. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their mind set on what that nature desires. But those who live according to the spirit have their mind set on what the spirit desires. Listen to me. Listen to me. What we're going to look at in this paragraph, verses 5 through 8, is the tale of two lives. It's the life that is found with its mind Focused on the things of the flesh, the sinful nature, your self-centered desires, or the mind that is focused on honoring God, loving God, blessing God. Listen to me. 99% of the arguments that you have, whether, in, whether you're with your best friend, with your kids, in your marriage, uh, at your workplace... On driving here, 99% of the arguments that you have are because you didn't get your way. I mean, that's it. In fact, I've, I've told you this before, right? We talked about the next time. The next time you get into an argument with your spouse or you get into an argument with your friend or you get into an argument with your boss, I want you to grit your teeth, I want you to point your finger and I want you to say this. You know why we're having this argument? Because I'm not getting what I want. That's the truth. That's the truth. That's the truth. 99% of the... Because you have your mind set on the sinful nature. If we boil down the reason that you're having the argument, the friction, the difficulty, the frustration, the, the, the bad moment with the spouse, the friend, the workplace, and all that other stuff, we would simply boil down to, I wanna. It's what I want, what I desire, what I focus on, what I think about. That's all it would boil down to. And this, listen to me, this verse, in fact, this paragraph says as much. It says, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that sinful nature desires. Isn't it true? Who here? Don't have to raise your hand. Don't raise your hand, okay? Who here has struggled with like an eating? uh, And you know what's interesting is um, that they're finding more and more that men, this used to be a woman's issue, isn't it? Right? The eating disorder, like, you know, like bulimia, overeating, just like, you know, concern about your figure and all that other stuff. But now it's an issue that's actually extending itself to men, right? And it's a simple reason. It's because uh, when you get those kinds of images in your mind and you think that James Bond is the default body for all guys, you think, oh, I can do that. And you don't realize that before that photo shoot or before that movie where he, you know, does the whole thing with his shirt off, Right? He hadn't eaten for three days. He had worked out for six months. And he had like this special diet just for that um, deal. Right? But we see those things and we, we say, oh, I, I don't want to be like Jesus. I want to be like James Bond. And so, so think about this. Think about this. Think about this. How many of you have struggled with an eating? And don't raise your hand. How many of you have struggled with an eating disorder uh, 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 whether it's overeating, it's bulimia, it's, you know, not being able to, you know. Listen, listen to me. It's an I want When you're struggling with an eating disorder, let me, anybody, anybody here, do, I wonder if anybody knows the answer to this question. What do you think about all day when you're struggling with a food disorder? Anybody know? Food. 
Right. Your mind is set on the flesh. Anybody who's ever struggled with a sexual addiction, anybody know what you think about all day long? Anybody know? Anybody know? Yes. Because your mind is set on the sinful nature. Listen to me. Anybody here has ever struggled with it? Not, I know, not here, but anybody here ever struggled with like a drinking or drug problem? <laughs> Maybe one or two of you, right? One or two of you. Okay. Anybody know? Anybody know what your mind is set on when you're focused on? Anybody know? It's the drink or the drug, isn't it? Right? Watch this. 2,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, the Bible says this. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their mind set on what that nature desires. You're kidding. Yeah. Because you live for your sinful nature, you can rationalize and justify the most outrageous sort of nonsense in trying to accomplish that which you want because you're living according to the flesh. Your desires are not for Christ. Your desires are for you. Christ is not on the throne. You are on the throne. You are the shock caller. You, your desires, your pleasures are the God by which you bow your knee to. That's what you give alms to. So when the boy comes up to you, and you're not married, and the boy comes up to you and says, Hey, hubba hubba, come into this room, right? You go, well, my God is not really Jesus. My God is the approval of this boy. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to get on his bed, and I'm going to worship at his altar. That's what you do. When the, when the boss says... Hey, I want you to do this thing. It's a little shady. There's a little shade here. I want you to go in this direction. You go, absolutely. You go into his office and you fill out the papers the way he asks you to fill them out. Because why? Because you don't worship Jesus. You worship. You go into the boss's office and you worship at his altar. Because it's all about the finances. It's all about the client. It's all about the money. It's all about the circumstances to make you look better. Listen to me. Listen to me. The mind that is set on the sinful nature or the flesh, that mind is consumed by that. But the mind is set on the spirit. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their mind set on what the spirit desires. See, it's a tale of two lives. It's the one whose mind is set on the, on the flesh. Or the, and listen to me, listen to me. You can't choose on your own. The rest of the sermon is supposed to go, now try to choose the Spirit. Now, do better in choosing the Spirit. Here's the problem. You can't. You've proven. You have a wonderful track record of choosing the flesh. You have an... In fact... You, you have such a track record that if you've been with a friend for very long, they go, I knew you were going to say that. You know why? Because they know how your mind is set. If, and especially if you're married, this happens all the time. Oh, I knew you were going to say that. Because they know where your mind is set on. Listen to me, listen to me. The mind that's set on the spirit can't be done on its own. It's got to be a supernatural. How is it, if you've been promiscuous your whole life, how is it that you could walk with integrity, walk in holiness? How could that possibly be? Certainly you can't do that on your own. How is it, if you've been abusing your body with the kinds of foods that you take into your body, how could you possibly say no to the next dessert or the next meal? You can't do that on your own. The Spirit of God has to do that. How can, listen to me, how can those 
who have harmed you, who you've had bitterness against for the last 30 years, how can you set them free? How can you walk in the freedom of Christ and walk in forgiveness rather than bitterness? How can you do that on your own? You can't do that on your own. It's impossible. But the Spirit can. The Holy Spirit is the power, listen, to carry it out. But I can't change! I know! Good news! He is the power to carry it out. But I can't! I've tried! And I I always... Listen, listen, beloved, listen, listen. The Holy Spirit is the power to carry it out. So we have the flesh and we have the spirit. Look at verse 6. The mind of sinful man is death. Let's say that together. The mind of sinful man is death. Stop. If we were not in this sermon, the way we would read this is, the mind governed by the flesh is pleasure. That's how we would read it. Because in fact, when I confront people, and I talk to people all the time, and I counsel people all the time, they go, when they talk about sin, you know what their number one argument is when I tell them that they should find their joy in Christ? They go, oh, but what? I can't have any fun? Ah, I understand why you just said that. You just revealed a great deal about yourself when you say that. Because you believe that the mind governed by the flesh is joy, is pleasure. And the Bible says it's death. Listen, you're a corpse. You're a corpse. You're, you're, um, Ron, what's that show? With dead people walk around. Walking dead. You're walking dead. You're walking dead. You're a zombie. But you would argue, no, 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 no. In fact, what you say to yourself after a long week of work, what you say to yourself after a difficult situation, what you say to yourself after a stressful period of time, is you say, oh, the mind governed by the flesh is joy. I'll take two. The mind governed by the flesh is pleasure. I'll just have one more plate. The mind governed by the flesh is joy. I'll just go with one more person. The mind governed by the flesh is satisfaction. I'll tell him what I really think about him, no matter how spirit-led it is, or not, rather, it is. Listen to me, listen to me. We think the exact opposite of this place, and I can't even convince you of that. I simply can't. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit is the power to carry it out. Only the Holy Spirit could convince you of that. And some of you are just like, oh, that's true. My lifestyle, my mindset, my focus, sin. Sin. And the Holy Spirit is convicting you and you're going, oh, this doesn't feel so good, but you're going to stick with it. And some of you are like, when is this going to be over? Are you kidding me? Why? You know why? Because your mind is set on death. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the spirit is... Somebody read those two words for me. Life and peace. Isn't that what everybody wants? Don't you just want life and peace? But here's the problem. The problem is, is that when we try to do life and peace and we try to define that as getting my sinful nature, we wind up getting death and destruction as opposed to life and peace. 
You see, our minds, listen to me, we need to take a bath in God's Word. We need to take a bath in the Scriptures. We need our minds cleansed by the Word of God to rediscover what true manhood is, what true womanhood is, what true joy is, what true peace is, what true happiness is, what true life is, what true peace is. Because the things that you and I think, I'm telling you, I've been doing this, I've been doing this for over a dozen years, and I can tell you that there are a ton of people, a ton of people that I've spoken to who says, I'll find more joy in that, in him, in her, in them, in this. A ton of people who got the very thing that they wanted. They got it. And then found themselves miserable. How can this be? How can this be? Because the Bible has told us that when we live for temporal things, when we live for things that are just simply temporary things, things that will pass away, our joy, if it's found in that, won't be found for long. But if we put our things on eternal things, then we can have hope for all eternity. That's the difference between heaven and hell, you know. Listen to me. Everybody thinks that hell is so unfair. You know what's unfair? Heaven. Heaven's unfair. You know what hell is? Hell is simply getting a little bit more of what you wanted in hell than you wanted on earth. That's all hell is. You wanted to live a life that is completely uh, for you. You wanted to live a life. Listen to me. You know what hell is? It's an infinite run. It's an infinite run. In other words, that which you were pursuing on earth, you get to pursue for all of eternity. And if it's not Christ, it sounds like hell. And those, why is heaven? Why is heaven unfair? Unheaven, it's because the Christian gets what he didn't want. He wanted to go down the hell road. He wanted to go down pursuing his own thing. And God changed his heart and gave him new desires and gave him new longings. And now he wants Christ. And at the end of that road, he hits joy. He hits, what does he hit? He hits life and peace. Listen to me. There is a glory in understanding that it's the Spirit of God. Some of you have been trying to fight your depression, your singleness, your marriage situation, your working situation, your financial woes, your weight issues, your... Like, if you've all been trying to find, we've all been trying to find our solution in us, and we simply don't have the power, and the power, the Bible is saying, listen to me, the power is found in the Spirit of God who will not only come alongside you in the fifth mile, who come to you before the race ever started and give you strength that you did not know you had. The mind, verse 7 says, governed by the flesh. I love this. Let's read this little up to the comment together. The mind governed by the flesh is The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. Ever been there? I can't tell you how many people I've said, hey, come on, why don't you, why don't you, why don't you come to church, uh, why don't you come and gather with all the believers, we're going to congregate either in my house or we're going to congregate in this other building or wherever we're going to do, and they go, no, I can't go that, Are you kidding me, I'm not down with that, like, oh, your mind is 
governed by the flesh, so you're hostile to God. You believe that crap? You believe that nonsense? Oh, no, 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 wait, 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 one second. I think they have a verse for you. The mind governed by the sinful nature is hostile to God. In other words, when I say, oh, no, no, sex is for married people only, you're like, hostile, right? You're like, how could you say something like that? I thought we were talking about the Holy Spirit. Now you're getting into my mail. Why would you do that? Stick with the Holy Spirit, right? When I say, no, 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 the finances that you have are not your own. Be generous because you were given them. So give, right? You go, oh, that's what I expect preachers to say. You know why? Because you're hostile to God. It's okay. It's all right. I love you. You're here. You're welcome. Right? If, you, if I say, you know, um, you need to, your, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Treat it as such. Right? So, you know, so maybe you need to reconsider the, the cigarettes that you're smoking. Maybe you need to consider the kind of food that you eat. Maybe you need to consider the, you know, maybe you need to consider these things. And you're like, how could you say that? Who could ever possibly tell me? I'll be, I'm, I'm an adult. I'll do what I want. You ain't my mother. You know? <laughs> so listen to me. Because the mind governed by sinful nature is hostile to God. It's just that simple. We gotta go. It does not submit to God's law, nor, what does this say? say read this with me. Nor can, no, 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 okay, I, I want you to read this the way you need to read it, okay? This I need you to scream, okay? This is, this I need you to scream. One, two, three. Nor See, you're wondering, he goes, oh, but I, I don't feel like I wanna go, no, 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 not only, you, you don't feel like it, you can't. You can't. You go, oh, but I've been struggling with this thing for years. Baby, the reason is because you can't. You can't do God's will. You can't. The the mind that is towards the sinful flesh is hostile to God. It cannot do God's will. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You go, but I'm a good person. (laughs) Can't please him. Yeah, but I, I give my money to charities. Uh-huh. Yeah, but, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a nice guy. I cross little old ladies to, across the street. I know, I know, sweetie. Listen, you're trying to find self-salvation. Go to the first and second message in this talk, in this series, and you'll see that it's not about your good works. It's not about your being good. In fact, none of us are good. Because you're good in comparison to me. You're not good in comparison to God. Isn't that true? Right? right. Like, you're pretty good in comparison. Like, if you compare yourself to me, come on, you're, you're probably more generous. You're probably nicer. You probably treat your spouse better. You probably with your kids more. You're probably so much better than me. I agree. I wouldn't even argue the fact. But let's put you up against God. And all of a sudden, and some of us are having a struggle with this message even now. Listen to me. Confess it to God. God, I'm hostile to you. Anything I receive from your word, I just want to argue, fight, and fuss about. Confess it to him. He goes, finally, finally, and he'll help you. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Jump down to verse 9. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So, you know, okay, do you know how, you've heard it even, and I think I've said this, and I think I'm wrong. The older I grow, the older I, I get in Christ, um, the more I discover some of the things that I preached were just not really accurate. And so one of the things that I've said is like, oh, you're, 
a carnal Christian. It just, it's just not found in Scripture. That's just not found in Scripture. You're a Christian or you're not. You're, you're either living by the flesh or you're living by the Spirit. You're either walking in the power of the Holy Ghost or you're walking in your self-centered uh, power. Choose. Choose. And so we think that we can, right, so there's, a, there's the spirit life and there's the flesh life and we think somehow we can walk in two directions at the same time. Walk, take a step towards God and take a step towards, um, take a step towards the flesh and take a step towards God. And it just simply can't be done. It simply can't be done. You know why? Because God says, I want to live in you. I want to love you. I want to want to change you from the inside out. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, I love this part, even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. Look at me. Look at me. This is powerful. This sentence will change your mind. Matter of fact, this sentence is worth the price of admission. Okay? You're going to love this. Watch this. Death, life. Your body's dying, but your spirit is alive. What does that mean? That means this. Anybody here have to paint over death every now and again? Do you know what I mean when I say paint over death? You see some white hairs where they used to be dark hair, and you paint over death. Some of you paint over death with the mustache. Some of you paint over death with the locks, right? Any of you paint over death? Anybody, anybody... Anybody um, cover up with death with makeup? Anybody at all? No? Little crow's feet, perhaps a little more makeup, I don't know. Right? Anybody? Listen to me. Anyway, I comb over death. Do you know what I mean? That's how I deal with death. I comb it over. I go, okay, we're going to push this hair into the front. I don't care how receding this line is. If the back of my hair has to be as long as some of you women, I don't care. I am just going to push it over. I don't care. Me and Donald Trump are cool now. I used to think he was corny. Not so much. Not so much. Not so much now. So now listen, listen to me. We comb over death. But listen to me. Here's why I say this. Because you're dying. And I don't need to tell you that. You know it. You're getting older. You're dying. You've lost a step. You're getting a little bit slower. You're getting... Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. But the Bible here is saying, although death is happening, life is happening at the same time. Death is happening in your body, but in your spirit, you're growing. You're di- Listen to me. Listen to me. You're dying, and you're getting better. You're dying, and you're getting better. Uh, I told you last week that I have a, a, a person that I, I, I receive Bible studies from. Uh, his name is Gordon Fee. He helped to translate the very version that we're reading right now. Like, he literally, I was just at his house, and he was reading in Greek and translating it in his mind and saying it in English. He's that guy, right? Super smart guy, right? Watch this. He's losing his mind. He has Alzheimer's. He's losing his mind. So sometimes he forgets what he just said, and he repeats it again. Sometimes he doesn't remember that he just said, and, and, and this happened several times at our things. So listen, listen to me. Listen. When I see him talking about Jesus, tears pour down his face whenever he talks about Jesus. This guy's almost 80 years old. He, had, Jesus, he hasn't gotten over Jesus yet. Every time he says the name of Jesus, every time he talks about the love of Christ, he gets worked up emotionally. 
He, he gives help all the time. He answers questions. He's being, you know what's happening? He's dying, but he's getting better. You're dying, but you're getting better. In Christ, if you're walking in Christ, there's death life happening. Death life, death life, death life. And to the degree that you see more and more life is to the degree that you submit, surrender, and see the Holy Spirit just transform your life. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit, anybody know what I'm going to say next? Is the power to carry it out. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you... now. When I say the next sentence, I'm gonna pre, I'm gonna give you a precursor. I need you to say hallelujah. Okay? Everybody got it? When I finish the next sentence, I need you to say hallelujah. Alright? Everybody ready? Alright, here we go. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Hallelujah. Yeah, man. Let me, let me tell you, let me tell you something. What, what the Bible is saying there is that the same spirit, the Holy Spirit, The same spirit that gave life to a dead man, Jesus, after three days, will give life to you moment by moment, day by day, minute by minute, hour by hour, relationship by relationship, spoon by spoon, no by no. Every moment of every day will give you life and joy and peace and life. It happens by his power because the Holy Spirit is the power to carry it out. The same power that rose Christ from the dead will live in you and give you power to say no to the things of the flesh. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if um, when you were tempted or discouraged or facing a difficulty, could you imagine if you said, Holy Spirit, I want you to lead my life. I want to I live for you. Can you imagine that even though everything outside, right, like the house burned down, you don't know where to go, and you have life and peace because you're living in the power of the Holy Spirit. And you go, you know what? My home is, is in heaven. My eternal home is in heaven. And the longing that I have for my belongings is just a longing that is a smaller longing that I need to have in the joy when I get my true home in heaven. When, when the girl says, that's it, I don't want to be with you anymore, you can say, but there's one who will never leave me and never abandon me. The Holy Spirit gives you strength to get through any relational discord. And when your back gives out and you're like walking around, you you can't even walk around anymore, you're laying down. You go, there's going to be a day where my body doesn't corrupt and this pain is not forever. It's just a reminder that I'm getting a little bit closer to that day. And when you see death and you have to paint it or cover it up, uh, in the mirror, and you see death, right? And you have to do all that stuff. You can say, oh, wait, 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 wait. There will be a time where I will be made whole in Christ. That's my desire for you. My desire for you is to realize that the Holy Spirit is the power to carry that out. Right now, we're going to listen to Ron's testimony about how the Holy Spirit has changed him, and then I'm going to release us. But now, listen, as Ron comes up, here's what I want you to think. I want you to think, how can I live this out? In what area of my life do I need to live this out? Where I need to ask the Holy Spirit, is it in your marriage? Is it in your single life? Is it in your eating? Is it in your, uh, uh, something I didn't mention? Is it in your lifestyle? Is it in, what, what is it? What is it? Mm. I want you to think about that. Ron? 
Hello? Glory to the Lord. Praise Jesus. Um, those that don't know me, I'm Ronald. Um, well, um, I'm grateful to God. I'm grateful that uh, Jesus not only saved me, um, he sanctified me. Um, you know, I've done the testimony before here. And I questioned myself, um, and I qu- questioned myself, and I was questioning why again, right? And even up to this morning, I, I couldn't understand why. But I was obedient. Um, I kept asking God, uh, "Why I got to do this again here? I just did it a couple of months back, and um, I felt awkward." Um, but I get. I understand. Um, uh, so, a uh, very long time ago, um, uh, from the beginning of the race, the Lord was with me. Um, my, my life was heading straight to hell and fast. My best, my best thinking was guiding me to a lifestyle that would lead destruction, hurt, pain, and spiritual death. A life, if not for Jesus himself, um, I would have lived and died, and it wouldn't have been worth living at all. Um, He allowed me to go on in my own strength and power to my better ends. Broken family, drug, prison, despair, hopelessness. Um, At the age of 13, I totally rebelled against God, my parents, and society. Um, I broke commandments like they were going out of style. Um, I wasn't a good son, brother, uncle, and friend. Um, The choices I had made um, using drugs could have killed me. Any time and every time I used them, I had to, I had to support that habit, so I committed crimes for for years. My life took on a took a really bad turn um, when the same lifestyle uh, took my oldest brother's life. Um, I lost. Uh, I remember losing a friend at 13 years old that caused me a tremendous amount of pain. But when I lost my brother, um, I went berserk. I had people feeling and experiencing the pain that I felt. I drew a, I drew a blank for, for a period at that time. I don't even remember too much. Um, living hell, I had anger, resentment. Um, my drug consumption became greater and so did my risk in crimes that I committed. Um, I was very uncaring. I just didn't want to feel the pain. Because the more... And the more riskier... uh, You know, I... uh, The more I needed to use and the more riskier the crimes became. Um, You know, I I, I started uh, having more contact with police... I was being arrested more often um, for two days, ten days, a couple of weeks, 
and then you know I hit the jackpot. Uh, you know, I armed bank robberies and a host of other crimes that I was charged with. Um, I was offered 50 years, and um, and I thought of it. I said, "Wow, I'll be about 67, 68 years old." This happens to me. Um, I remember coming home in 1993, because I didn't get all that time. Um, and I became the same guy within three months of my parole, and my parole officer was sending me back to prison or to get help. And um, help was in the programs or 12-step fellowships, but I couldn't stay clean for a number of years still. I was still operating from my power. I stood clean long enough to receive a trade that had led to employment and my life had improved because I stopped committing crime. So I thought uh, the drugs wasn't that bad until I bottomed out again spiritually and I lived life. I called out to God like many times before. From the time that I drowned at 12, I was revived from the 9mm Glock that was jammed in my mouth. The trigger pulled, only it to be jammed. From the time, from the same, from the drug dealers that I had just taken off days before. From the bullets that whizzed by me. From the, my friends that got shot and killed. And I said, wow, they wasn't even as bad as me. When I was facing 50 years and a lawyer showed up and my case became his pro bono. I received eight years. To the guy that murdered my brother. That I didn't even know I was coming home. Because there was uh, two reasons that I might not make it home because it was either me or them but God was answered to my prayers so I called out again and I surrendered to a higher power in a program and a program of people who were there walked me through the withdrawals from methadone to doing um, I went into a, got into in the program I got involved uh, doing step and traditions um living in principle as I can um, I had nine years clean I was married um, but I had no real power I looked good on the outside but broken on the inside unhappy defeated no joy marriage failing hopeless spiritually bankrupt this church uh, invited me to a retreat that led me to uh, recommit my life to Christ. I started to show up uh, to the services and I thought, man, my wife could really benefit from this church. I had left the church for a while because my expectations weren't met. My wife was still the same. 
I found out that I am the sinner. And that I needed a Savior. And that I needed the Holy Spirit to change me. Today I've tapped into the power of the Holy Spirit. He convicts me, leads me, guides me. I have to obey. So there is some restoration in my marriage. It's improved. No power of minds. A lot of uh, financial issues. Um, things that I find important in my life. Urgent. not important. I pray regularly, daily, I read God's word, he gives me all the instructions right in the Bible on how to live, I fall short, I sin, but I can confess, repent, and his word says, uh, therefore there's no because through God's Jesus, the Spirit of His life has set me free from the lost sin. I don't have the power to carry nothing in my life out. The Holy Spirit does. I thank Jesus changing me. It's a lot more work to be done all the time. I praise the Lord. Yeah. Um, I'm grateful. I want to, if we can give Jesus a round of applause. Yeah, yeah, sure. sure. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen, here's the big deal. For this week, I want you to walk in Christ. I want you to do this for this week. On your Facebook, when you're faced with a moment where it's either walking in the flesh or walking in the spirit. I'm talking to Christians now. If you're faced with walking in, with death or walking in the spirit, walking with death or walking in the spirit, I want you to just on your Facebook, I want you to say, the Holy Spirit is the power to carry it out. You don't even have to say what it is. Power to carry what, it, what the it is, you don't have to say on your Facebook. Just be reminded on a daily basis. The Holy Spirit is the power to turn away from that argument, to not feed into that nonsense, to walk in the Spirit, to say no to the wrong things and to say yes to the right things. But that's for those of you who are in Christ. For those of you who don't know Christ or haven't made that solid commitment or Christ is not your Lord and Savior and God and King and Boss, here's what I want you to know. I want you to know that you just simply don't have the power to change. I mean, you can... You can change the outside and you can do that for a while and you can even point to people, oh, but look at that guy. He's a, yeah, th- but there's eternity to be had here. And so uh, the only way I know how to picture that for you is a smartphone. Anybody here ever seen a smartphone? Right? Some of you have like iPhones, I forgive you. Right? Um, and so now here's the deal. Here's the deal, right? Here's the thing about a smartphone. Do you understand that you have more technology in your pocket when you have a smartphone? than NASA had when they sent a man to the moon. I'm not kidding. They had a calculator 
and pencil and paper. That's what they had. You have more technology in your phone than NASA had in sending a man to the moon. Watch this. This thing, if I wanted it to, I could get an app to control the lights, to control what's going on back here, to play you music, to have a person come up here and uh, preach to you. I can do anything with this phone. But watch this. All I have to do And now, it's not even good for a paperweight. Once I remove the battery, this technology that was more technology than NASA needed to uh, send a man to the moon, this kind of technology that can call my wife, text you at the same time, find out what Chinese food is being uh, uh, given at a particular restaurant on the other side of the world, is worthless. It's sexy, though. But it's worthless. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. What am I saying? I'm saying Jesus. Go to Jesus. And the Holy Spirit starts, look, look, look. Life starts happening. So for those of you who don't know Christ, I, I, I commend you to confess your sins, give your heart to Christ, surrender to his will, let him be the boss of your life. And walk with him. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for bringing us here. Help us, oh God, to walk walk in step with the Holy Spirit. To be mindful of His promptings. To mature in obedience. To know you longer and deeper. That you would be King and God and Boss and Lord and Director of all. Be the Lord of our lives, Lord. Would you give us the wisdom to know what to do with this message? For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.